I've been going to meditation halls or zendos for more than 50 years, and uh, I've heard this word zazen a lot over these years. And so now at this point in my life, I just want to make clear before I go that uh, what I mean by zazen, what I mean by the practice that I'm devoted to when I go into the meditation hall, I'm devoted to the practice of Buddha's, Buddha's practice, Buddha activity. And then also I might mention that I don't see Buddhas as one thing and Buddha activity as another. How do we say Buddhas are as Buddhas do? Their activity is what they are. And their activity, of course, is Buddha activity. So that, makes, that might make perfect sense to you, does it? The activity of Buddhas is Buddha activity. And Buddha activity is the activity of Buddhas. And Rabbi Anderson calls Zazen that activity. Now, other people, I don't know what they, what they would call Zazen might be quite different from what I call Zazen. They might not call Zazen. For them, Zazen might not be Buddha activity. For some people, Zazen is something that they do. And that's, you know, I do Zazen or I don't do Zazen. So uh, for some people, I guess, Zazen's like in the realm of human agency or human action. Now, human action isn't excluded from Zazen because Buddha activity doesn't exclude anything. And yet, it's not limited to any particular human activity or, or plant activity or solar activity or galactic activity. It's not limited to any activity. It's kind of the integration of limited activity and unlimited activity. It's the, it's the way they work together, is Buddha activity. So all of, all of our human agency is integrated, and yet none of our human activity uh, uh, com- comprehends it. Like we say, traps and snares can never reach it. No, no limited thing can, can reach or contain this Buddha activity. And also no exclusion is, applies either. So again, Buddha activity is an activity that is, that is Buddha. It is an activity that's awakening. So it's, it's a practice that's awakening. It's an awakening that is practice. It's not like a practice over here and awakening over there. People often see it that way. Maybe awakening is over here and practice is over here. Zazen is over here and awakening is over there. So I'm, I'm proposing that there is a way of understanding Zazen as Zazen is practice of awakening and awakening as practice. 
you can use the word Zazen for that. And if, if anybody uses the word Zazen some other way, you can listen to them. You can practice listening to them in, as awakening. Another expression which you may have heard before is uh, the, uh, just sitting. Have you heard that one? Just sitting. And again, the schedule could say, you know, instead of zazen, it could have written in just sitting. And then could have been just walking and then just sitting. So the just sitting is another term which can be understood as Buddha activity. So, yeah, when a Buddha is sitting, a Buddha is just sitting. And the Buddha is practicing being Buddha in the sitting posture. If they're walking, they're just walking. If they're standing, they're doing just standing. Practicing, awakening in the standing posture. Uh, this activity of zazen, of, of Buddhas, um, frees all living beings. So they may live in peace and harmony with each other. There's, so there's a proposal now that there is an activity which frees li living beings frees them from, uh, for example, if it's a human being, it would free human beings from human consciousness. Humans generally, most humans have human consciousness, where they're like, where they see uh, things, and they think that what they see is reality, and they feel present in that, in that mind, that consciousness, and they have various kinds of confusion about uh, the relationship between the self that they feel and all the, all the things that are appearing in their mind. In the consciousness, there's a, a, um, a reduced version of our life appearing. Our life is appearing in consciousness in a reduced uh, form. Like we see other people in our mind, like I see you, well, I see all of you in sort of the consciousness where I am. But what I see is a very nice, impoverished version of you. You know, you all look pretty cute, but still, these, all these cute people are really like highly reduced and narrowed versions of the inconceivable thing that each of you is. But my consciousness cannot deal with inconceivable beings that you are. Just like our, what do you call it, our, our blood 
cannot deal with a piece of hamburger or a lettuce leaf. The hamburger has to be chewed down into little pieces and converted into much simpler stuff than hamburger in order to be allowed into the blood and be used for food. Similarly, the world gets highly reduced and then gets, uh, gets life in our consciousness. And also, the things that appear in consciousness, like people, for example, or, or myself, these reduced things have little subliminal messages under them, which says, this is so-and-so. This is what they actually look like. But we don't see that kind of underwriting. We just believe it. And so we not only see people and see feelings and see ideas and opinions in human consciousness, but we, we take them to be what they're kind of representing, which is not true. They're not. However, they're not unrelated to, they're related to everything, but they're reduced versions which we take to be the actual person. So like we see maybe a good person, but still that person isn't limited by that idea really. So anyway, we're, uh, yeah. so you know, we have, um, we have some people appearing in our consciousness these days which we have, we're having trouble with these people that are appearing in our consciousness. We're finding them, um, we're challenged to be really, to love them with our whole heart. Matter of fact, some people even say, I hate so-and-so. But what they hate, generally speaking, is what they think of so-and-so. They, they hate what, how so-and-so appears in their mind. And some other people, so-and-so appears in their mind in, in a way that they don't hate. And, uh, but we're, we have to deal with what's going on in consciousness. And the one way of dealing with it is called Buddha activity, wherein we become liberated from what we think about, for example, ourself and others. So the, the, our opinions of ourselves and our opinions of others that appear in our consciousness are delusions. Um, and believing them is kind of delusional. And so that is, that's, and that's suffering. However, we, there's, a, there's a way of dealing with these delusions that appear in our consciousness that doesn't get rid of them, but just is free of them without getting rid of them. And that Buddha activity is going on right now. It's, and it's freeing, our minds are being freed. Our human consciousness is being freed of delusion right now. It's going on right now. Buddha activity is pervading our consciousness right now. 
and liberating our consciousness right now. We're already practicing zazen. We're already just sitting. We're already Buddha activity. We can't get away from it. It's unhindered by our resistance to it. In a way, the thought arises in consciousness, a particular consciousness where I'm living. And the, and the thought is, basically, uh, even a few minutes ago, I finished saying pretty much everything. And yet, uh, I'll keep talking all week. And maybe even be after that. So how a part of the challenge of this Buddha activity is how to remember it again and again, basically the same thing, in a way that one is happy to remember it, where one doesn't feel like, oh, Buddha activity again? Don't, <laughs> don't you have something else to talk about? So how can, there, how can we remember Buddha activity in such a way that it's a, it's a lively, creative, poetic process. And the more we tap into Buddha activity, the more we can say the same thing over in an interesting way. Even though there's nothing more to say, really. It's Buddha activity is our practice, and, and Buddha activity is taking care of everything. It's freeing all beings so they can live in peace. What more? There's, that's it. And yet, And yet, we see some kind of resistance in our consciousness to some, something that's going on. We feel caught by things. We don't quite see how, how the Buddha activity is functioning. So then we have to accept the opportunity to deal with the resistance in such a way as to wake up to what's already here. So the... the teachings like that, and then we have this, this school called the Zen school, which again, the Zen school that I'm talking about is the school of Buddha activity. And um, it has lots of stories in it, in this school. Stories about Buddha activity and stories of people having conversations about Buddha activity. We could have, uh, but also the Zen school could tell stories about people who adamantly think they're in some other school. So we can tell stories, bring their stories in too. But one of the Zen school's collections of stories is called the Book of Serenity. It's one of the collections of Zen stories, okay? It's one of the collections of Buddha activity stories. It's one of the collections of just sitting in narrative form. And the first story in the book, which sometimes is called story number one, um, says something like, one day the world-honored one ascended the seat. 
or if it didn't say that, it might have said, one day the world honored one ascended the hall. So in the, in the Buddha activity school, sometimes refer to the, the, the Buddha ascending the seat, and sometimes they say the Buddha ascending the hall. So the Buddha ascended the seat and, <laughs> not to say the Buddha is like me or anything, but in a way, it's kind of simple-minded. The Buddha ascended the seat, and what did the Buddha do on the seat? He sat. <laughs> kind of like, oh, there's a seat. I think I'll sit on it. So the Buddha sat on the seat. Now, of course, the Buddha sitting on a seat is Buddha activity, right? The, the Buddha walking in, into the hall is Buddha activity, and the Buddha sitting on the seat is Buddha activity. And that's it. The Buddha just sat there and did Buddha activity. But it doesn't say that. It says Buddha ascended the seat and sat. But that's not the end of the story, even though it kind of is the end of the story. You could have stopped it right there, but it didn't stop. Now the Buddha is sitting, right? And then a bodhisattva, Manjir Shri, one of Buddha's disciples, who is the, uh, who we, we call the Bodhisattva of great perfect wisdom, this Manjushri Bodhisattva struck the gavel and said to the assembly, clearly observe. He didn't say, he didn't say clearly observe the Buddha sitting. He just said clearly observe. But the Buddha was sitting there. So it would, might be OK to observe the Buddha sitting there. Um, when, like during this retreat, uh, when you sit, you could remember that story, that the Buddha ascended the seat. Because when you're sitting, you also ascend a seat, or the seat. Could your activity, when you ascend the seat, be Buddha activity? Is there anything, that, if you have heard anything about Buddha activity like not reaching your seat? I never heard any that being said that the Buddha activity doesn't reach the seats of everybody. It's all pervading. So there's no way to stop it from reaching your seat. When you sit on your seat, Buddha activity reaches your seat. Now your seat doesn't reach Buddha activity, but Buddha activity reaches your seat. Your seat can't trap Buddha activity because it's also on all the other seats. But Buddha and Buddha activity can't trap your seat either. But Buddha activity reaches you. So when you get on your seat, you you have the opportunity to 
clearly observe Buddha activity. Buddha sitting, now you're sitting, now you can clearly observe Buddha activity. It's not someplace else. You can clearly observe zazen when you're sitting, right? But again, it's not just clearly observe your zazen, which is fine to observe. You can also observe the zazen of people in your neighborhood. It's fine. You can also observe the zazen of people in the street that you hear. So you have the chance to clearly observe the Buddha sitting in Buddha activity. <laughs> yeah. Every period that you sit, you have the opportunity to clearly observe the Buddha activity. I didn't finish the story yet. Again, as, as I said just a moment ago, I didn't finish the story yet. Before I said clearly observe, I said the story could have stopped there, right? And then if you say clearly observe, the story could have stopped there. But it didn't. <laughs> Manjushi kept talking. Now, I don't know how long it was from the time he said clearly observed until he said the next thing. He could have said clearly observed, and then a year went by. And the whole assembly just sat there, clearly observing. Or it could have been actually, the Buddha sat. The Buddha ascended the seat and sat, and the assembly sat there for a year. And then Manjushri went, clearly observed. And then they sat for another year. And then after a year, it could have been 10, seven's a common number of years, it could have been seven. Then Manjushri said, the Dharma, the teaching of the sovereign, of the teaching, the teaching of the sovereign of the teaching, The teaching of the sovereign of teaching is thus. The teaching of the Buddha is thus. It's like thus. It's like this, but not quite this. It's thus. Thus is slightly different from this. Thus is more like, just like this. It's like this. It's not really this. And yet it is this. It's thus. That's the teaching of the Buddha. And then we often say, that's the end of the story, except it's not. And then a few minutes later, a few seconds later, or many years later, the Buddha got down from the seat. That's kind of the usual end of the story. And this Book of Serenity was put together by somebody who is called Hung Jur Zhengjue, a Chinese 
teacher, you might say. And he was also, I guess, quite a good poet. So he made this collection of 100 Zen stories. And then for each story, he wrote a poem to give a comment on what was going on in each story. Rather than a, a prose commentary of what's going on in the story, he wrote Chinese poetry. And for this story, the poem he wrote, translated into English, goes something like this. The unique, like the one unique breeze of reality. Can you see it? Creation constantly working her loom and shuttle, incorporating the patterns of spring into the ancient brocade. But nothing can be done about Manjushri's leaking. The unique breeze of reality, can you see it? The unique breeze of reality, of course, is always right under your nose. Reality is always right under your nose, right in front of you. But again, we're, we're all, we humans are often enclosed in our consciousness. So we see, um, we don't see the unique breeze, we see all the, the many breezes. We see the many breezes, like that person's a jerk, that person's really great. It's hot today, it's cold today. This is great, this is not great. These are the not unique breezes. These are the very various breezes that are blowing in our consciousness, each one of which is a very reduced version of our life. But, and so because they're small, reduced versions, they're all different. And I've just briefly mentioned they're all all of them, all of the not unique breezes of our consciousness, they're all calling for compassion. Meantime, the unique breeze is blowing by too, but since it's only one breeze and looks the same all the time, we can't see it. We just see the different breezes. The unique breeze is right there all the time. You can't get away from it. If you sit on this side of the zendo, it's over there. It's on this side of the zendo. If you're in the back side, wherever you go, the unique breeze is there. But you can't see it because it looks the same everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> I am kind of sorry. Unique breeze, you're giving us a hard time. You won't let us see it. Well, it's not. we can see it but not with our eyes and consciousness. Consciousness sees all the different breezes. 
And although all the different breezes are not really the unique breeze, the, different, the many different breezes are not the one breeze, we think often that the different breezes, that each individual different breeze is actually the one breeze. Like this is really true. Our consciousness is inclined to like take various breezes as the unique breeze. And that's and that situation is calling for compassion because that situation is suffering. And the poem goes on. Remember the next line? After, can you see it? If you were five years old, you could, you could probably tell me. But anyway, the next line is, creation, which literally the Chinese characters are mother, the mother, mother principle, creation is working her loom and shuttle. So the, uh, this, this, this poet, he uses the image of the loom and the shuttle quite a bit in his commentaries on the Zen stories. So the loom uh, is often pictured in this imagery as a vertical loom. It's, it's standing or sitting upright. The loom is not moving. It's upright and still and silent. So the Eno told us something about stillness and silence a while ago, right? Some, you made some uh, eulogy of stillness and silence. Did you? Yeah. Like stillness and silence is really great stuff. <laughs> the loom, sitting upright, silent and still. The loom, always the same. A loom, it's like a, a frame, could be like a rectangular frame that has threads, vertical threads going through it. And then you have a thing called a shuttle, like a bamboo stick or something with thread, threads in it. And then, yeah, so creation works with this loom, which is upright and still. The loom's not moving around. It's vertical and still and quiet. And then you have a shuttle, which you have threads, and then you work the shuttle through the fabrics that are ver vertical. Do you understand? You have the vertical threads, and then the... Yeah, it's like a machine. Matter of fact, the Chinese character for loom is in my name, Zenki. So Zen means complete, and Ki means loom, machine, function, opportunity. So uh, uh, flying together with the word for loom or machine is an airplane. In Chinese, feiji. So flying with this character for loom, a loom for flying is an airplane. <laughs> so it means machine, you could, you could say, Creation works the machine and the, sh and the shuttle, but it's a loom. 
because we're making a brocade. What's the brocade? The brocade is Buddha activity. The Buddha activity isn't the, isn't the, the loom. The Buddha activity isn't just the stillness and the silence. The Buddha activity is the stillness and silence together with the shuttle and then working the shuttle through the loom threads. The inner and the shuttle is moving and making a little noise. It's making noise going through and it's taking different threads and different movements and integrating them with what's the same. The, 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 loom, the loom is the same through the whole process of the weaving and so are the vertical threads. They're not getting changed usually. But the shuttle is moving and it's, it's putting the threads in in different ways and different threads. And interaction between the same and the difference is the Buddha activity. And that's going on all the time. All the different breezes going through our minds are being integrated with the unique breeze, which is the way all the different breezes in our minds are the same. They're all empty, ungraspable, beyond our ideas of them. And all of our ideas are being woven with that. So again, it's same, the harmony of sameness and difference. This is, this is the teaching of the school. How the sameness, the unique breeze, is integrated with all the particular breezes. That's the Buddha activity. And that Buddha activity frees the different breezes through the relationship with the one breeze. Still, nothing can be done about, oh, and then again, incorporating the patterns of spring, the pattern of spring, it's still spring here, right? A few more days, and then it's summer. So watch out. We only have a little while left to work on spring, but really not. Every moment is a pattern of spring. Every moment is a pattern of spring. Spring, 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 spring. And spring, the patterns of spring gets integrated with the ancient brocade, with the history of the universe, but not even the history of the universe. gets integrated with the way the universe is always the same. So the way the universe is always different gets integrated with the way it's the same. And this integration is the brocade of the school. Still, nothing can be done about Manjushri's leaking. So after, even though the Buddha is sitting there and the Buddha activity is going on, of the integration of how things are the same and different in harmony. And even though the Buddha is demonstrating freeing the mind of difference from itself, still Manjushri says, 
look at that. Look at, look, look at the teaching. So again, that's another pattern of spring. The Man Manjushri making the sound and saying, look, it's, like the, it's just like this. And when you look at the Buddha, you see different Buddhas moment by moment, and you see the same Buddha moment by moment. The two are being integrated right in front of you. Case 21, Book of Serenity. <laughs> May our intention be Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.